Welcome to Podcast Pastor. My name is Hayden Pyle, and my goal is to challenge every listener to reconsider the essence of Christianity. Be prepared to walk away with more questions than answers, and let us begin this episode's discussion. I must confess, science is not my area of expertise, but my sister fills in the gap for me. She loves all things nature, and she's going to school for horticulture, a branch of science dealing specifically with plant management and cultivation. It is a field where biology and chemistry both is infused with gardening economics and management. Unrelated to horticulture, however, I was talking to my sister recently about small groups in the church. And suddenly, the connection to her world of science and the context of church small groups was made for me. The conversation began to take a turn from small groups to science when I made that following connection with this sentence. You must be cautious as to not overplow a field. brief history lesson about the Dust Bowl in the 1930s reminds us of the disaster that can take place when we plow too deep, too frequently, into one field. We suck all the nutrients from the topsoil, having to dig deeper and deeper until eventually all of the unused soil from our digging creates a dust storm that chokes out the abundance we were so desperate to have. Thus, we have to put a limit on how deep we actually plow into the ground, not only to prevent a dust storm, but to also have the most abundant harvest possible. The nutrients are most accessible to crops in the topsoil, so instead of constantly reusing the once plowed field, we may have to find a new field with fresh nutrients. So when we return to the once plowed field, it will have replenished its nutrients. Not only will there be a chance for that field to replenish its nutrients, but sowing the same number of seeds in multiple places may yield more crops over the long haul than sowing the same number of seeds in the same field over and over again. This idea of field rotation is not unique to farming and gardening, though. Sometimes, in a church body dynamic, we limit ourselves to one field, to one voice from the pulpit, to one style of worship, to one act of volunteering, to one small group setting. We limit ourselves to the immediate resources near us, as opposed to branching out and finding new sources of nutrients. This was that critical connection between horticulture and Christianity in the context of my conversation with my sister. And it was truly by the Spirit of God that I was even able to make that connection at all. Now, some of you may be thinking, do I have a problem with digging deep into the soil when it comes to Christian faith? Absolutely not. I think there is a necessary perspective difference between our personal relationship with God and our corporate relationship with the church and those outside of it. When we are investing in our personal relationship with God, we should deepen our roots into soil that is fertile, and we should 
be constantly replenished by living water that is nearby. We find the proof of this in Psalm 1-3, which says, People who love the Lord are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. These people are like trees, not like the wheat crop, where seeds must be sown again and again because we harvest wheat every season. A tree's home is also near a source of water, where the tree can be naturally replenished, as opposed to an open field that has an irrigation system that waters it. Two natural results of being planted like a tree, as described in Psalm 1, are bearing fruit in each season, and having leaves that never wither. Trees come from a single seed. That single seed should produce a whole forest of seeds year after year. That is bearing fruit in each season. Similarly, a tree whose leaves never wither is the result of constant nourishment with something that is life-giving. A tree whose leaves withers either has no water or it has a poor substitute for water. Our relationship with God should behave very similarly to that of a tree. Do we as Christians bear fruit in each season? Do we have leaves that never wither? Which is ultimately the question, are we constantly nourishing ourselves with life-giving water? Jesus claims in John 4:14 4, that he is the life-giving water. Are we nourishing ourselves with Jesus Christ himself? These are important questions that frame our personal relationship with Christ. But what about our relationship with other people? When it comes to investing in the church body, and even those that are not of the Christian faith, we have to change our mindset from being planted like a tree to something more like harvesting wheat. Now, I am not advocating a consumeristic approach of using people to benefit just ourselves. Like a farmer harvests wheat for profit and for sustenance. I want to be clear on that. I am advocating for understanding the danger of overplowing a field in our relationships with other people. I firmly believe that the ministerial model of Jesus and the Gospels indicates a continual pattern of sowing and harvesting. Matthew 9, 37-38 records Jesus saying to his disciples, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest then. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. Jesus is explicitly talking about gathering as many people as we can in his name, whether it be people who have never heard the gospel, or it could also be fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, because the workers of a field are also fields themselves who need nurturing, who need to have their nutrients brought to the topsoil. It requires Christians to take to the fields, 
to do the hard labor of sowing seeds continually, to do the hard labor of plowing not just one field, but many fields continually. And finally, it requires the hard labor of nurturing those seeds that we sow that will eventually grow into an abundant harvest. How do we do this, though? For one, we must be aware of what kind of seeds we are planting. Jesus says in Matthew 7.20, The way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. The fruit which came from a tree had to come from a seed first. So, if Christians are planting seeds of discord, of judgment, of hypocrisy, and of other God-dishonoring attributes, whether intentionally or not, what more would we expect than a harvest of discord, a harvest of judgment, a harvest of hypocrisy, and worse? It is fundamental that Christians sow seeds that line up with who Jesus Christ is, And unfortunately, that has not always been the case throughout the church's history. This has led to a lot of hurt. And it also has led to a lot of distrust toward the Christian community by outsiders looking in. For Christians to plant good seeds, they must first have a good grasp on who Jesus Christ is. I claim that this is why having a personal relationship with God must be firmly planted, like that of a tree as described in Psalm 1-3. How can you plant seeds that you are not producing? The only way to produce seeds is to be mature in your faith. To be a mature tree means that you are bearing fruit. Your relationship with God must also be constantly replenished by the life-giving water of Jesus Christ. Because, let me tell you, planting seeds can be frustrating and just toilsome, tedious, boring even. And this is where Satan works. Satan can easily infect our seeds and make them seeds of anxiety, seeds of pessimism, seeds of apathy, or a host of other things that take away from the message of Jesus Christ. If our relationship with God is weak, then the seeds we plant are more vulnerable to the enemy. This results in something not only disastrous, but it also results in the deterioration of the credibility of the Christian faith. Let that sink in for a second. History has volumes of stories on this. And that's a whole nother podcast episode. But let that sink in. If our relationship with God is weak, then the seeds we plant are more vulnerable to the enemy. We must also be aware of the fact that it costs us to plow a field. It is much easier and less costly of our effort and time to leave a field to the elements. But as nature begins to work on that field, 
it will eventually become near impossible to plow it. When it comes to the people around us, if Christians do not put in the work to bring the nutrients to the surface, no amount of sowing seeds will do anyone any good. It'll be a wasted effort. It'll lead to discouragement and frustration. Because from the very onset, Christians who choose not to plow their fields are just simply lazy and imprudent. Plowing the field is grueling and tedious work, but it is absolutely necessary. I encourage those listening to really ponder if they have done the work of plowing a field in terms of their relationships with fellow believers, let alone the relationships that they have with non-believers. It is also much harder to plow a field for the first time than it is to plow a field that has already been plowed at least once. As mentioned toward the beginning of this episode, if Christians limit their plowing efforts to only one field, they run the risk of creating a dust storm. This is one perspective of the cost of plowing a field. Plowing one single field over and over again has a much more detrimental cost than taking on the cost of time and labor in plowing a new field for the first time. It should be expected that it will cost Christians their time and labor to plow other fields, to go out into the world and make Jesus' name known, to nurture relationships with people who are difficult to love, to sacrifice countless hours for the sake of Christ's kingdom and its advancement. Does Jesus Christ not say in Luke 14, 26-33, these sobering words? If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there is enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Or, what king would ever dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat the 20,000 soldiers who are marching against him? If he is not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. In conclusion, No one can be my disciple without giving up everything for me. Quite a lot of scripture there. And the construction of a building metaphor that Christ uses is directly applicable to the metaphor I have been illustrating with plowing a field. Christians who do not count the cost of plowing fields 
often start with great intentions, big motivation, lots of energy. But they were unaware of all the costs. So they failed to finish the task of plowing their fields, or at least plowing their fields well. I am the first to admit that I have been guilty of starting a project with great intentions, but I had an oversight that became that project's premature death. And I'm sure those listening have had moments where they can remember that too. Hopefully, people in your life wouldn't make fun of you for making a logistical oversight, but it is still a disheartening feeling to have your good intentions be defeated because of logistics. This is exactly why Jesus Christ gives us this instruction in Luke 14. The second illustration of the king going to war is not as easily applicable to the plowing the field metaphor, but I'm going to challenge the listeners to go deeper. There is a little gold nugget here. In terms of Christian workers in the field, sometimes there are too many workers in one field. To illustrate, let the king, in Jesus' analogy, be an eager Christian worker residing in the United States, longing to plow a certain field. Let this field be Ukrainian refugees in Poland, for example. This eager Christian worker, however, does not have the resources and assets to effectively plow the field of Ukrainian refugees in Poland. Now, the larger army in Jesus' story is not the enemy, in my analogy. The larger army is simply another Christian worker with the resources that can effectively plow the field of Ukrainian refugees in Poland. This is the crux of the matter. What good does it do to send ill-equipped and under-resourced workers to the field of Ukrainian refugees in Poland when that field can't accommodate those influx of workers. More importantly, there are other untouched fields that need to be plowed, and those fields can accommodate the resources of this particular eager Christian worker. This eager Christian worker could very well have the resources to plow the field of Ukrainian refugees who make it to the United States. This is where the deep and tree-like relationship with God is critical to have. If the eager Christian worker has a shallow relationship with God, while his intentions are good, he will be at odds against the Christian worker who has the resources to effectively plow the field of Ukrainian refugees in Poland. The eager Christian worker will experience frustrations, setbacks, delays, and so on, because his resources were not designed to plow that field in the first place. This will be the inevitable defeat that the eager Christian worker will experience. 
Instead, if the eager Christian worker has a deep-rooted relationship with God, then he can hear God leading him in a slightly different direction than his original intentions, in a different direction than his field of choice. As Jesus Christ suggests, the eager Christian worker should come to terms with the fact that his resources are better suited elsewhere, and he should also try to be in good standing with the Christian worker who is in Poland. Another way to say this, the eager Christian worker should not be envious of the worker in Poland just because the eager worker's heart longs to be in Poland. God has given a field for the eager Christian worker to plow in the United States where he lives. The eager Christian worker could eventually plow his choice field, especially if he is in good standing with the Christian worker already over there. This is what I interpret Jesus to mean as far as sending a delegation to discuss peace terms. The eager Christian worker should be eager to collaborate with the worker already in Poland. Through that partnership, there is a shared effort in plowing the fields of Ukrainian refugees, just in two different geographical locations. It is this alliance of sorts that is what Jesus Christ is wanting the church to experience. How can we achieve this alliance if we are stubborn about which fields we will plow and which fields we won't plow? How can we achieve this partnership if our relationship with God is so shallow that we don't hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit leading us somewhere contrary to our heart's desire? How can the church experience this mutual advancement of God's kingdom if we are sending workers to certain fields that are being overworked at the expense of other fields left unplowed, unworked, untouched, unreached. I have extracted a lot of application from this analogy of a plowed field. And one could say (laughs) that I have done quite a bit of plowing on this particular topic. So, for the sake of maintaining the integrity of the message of this episode, I close this with a challenge. Do some plowing on your own. Plow untouched fields in your life. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, may you be encouraged by 2 Thessalonians 3.5. May the Lord bring you into an ever deeper understanding of the love of God and the endurance that comes from Christ. This episode was produced by your host, Hayden Pyle, and you can find more episodes on major podcast streaming services. Thanks for supporting this endeavor by faithfully listening and encouraging others to listen as well. As we end today's episode, ponder these thoughts and seek to apply them 
because as we walk with Christ, one foot forward is progress. Until next time, I'm Hayden Pyle, and thanks for joining me in this reconsideration of Christianity.